0: Make mine Marvel, and be better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ, and with me this week is James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week. If you were in a boy band, would you want a stage name, and what would it be, or would you use your own
1: name? That's a good question. Um... Oh, I feel like feel like the record studio would like want me to change my name because my last name is not easily pronounceable. Yeah. Um, And it's not very like sexy looking. Um, It's not very
0: you know. Depending on like well this is boy bands. I feel like maybe that you could get away with Jimmy K.
1: I was thinking something like that. I still think I think James. I think there's something to that. Oh whoops, <laughs> James. Eep. Um, I think my last name. uh I don't know. I I think there could be. There's something that could work with that, maybe. Um, like if it was just kept the same. Um, I I think there. Like I could. I think I could make it work. Um, I think there's probably something there 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 probably be girls who would like uh like a a guy with like a slightly kind of dorky sounding name i think you know there's something to that but
0: yeah I, however, it's tough right cuz you know it's got to be if you if you did that you'd have to be the one in the boy band like of the of the 3 to 5 people you have to be the outlier so like Impact in pac it's Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and then Clyde. You'd be Clyde.
1: <laughs> I could do that. I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I could... Um, Yeah, I w- I'd be fine with being the Clyde. I could do that.
0: I uh, I think I'd probably go wind up with a stage name and something as like a... I was debating between Ricky, Ricky Jones or oh. Ricky Jacks.
1: Ricky Jacks. I like Ricky Jones more. I think Ricky Jones sounds more that, that I mean that sounds more like 60s ish to me, which I'm partial to. So um yeah, I would I would say Ricky Jones. I think that sounds like smoother. I think Ricky Jacks sounds like 80s. Oh, um, is
0: this supposed to be this is a boy band though? Like
1: Oh, it's Ricky Jax. Like, for some reason, I thought it was Jax, like J-A-X. It's like J-A-C-K-S or something. It could be either. It could be either. Ricky Jax.
0: It's just gotta be really easy <clears throat> for teenagers to scream. Yeah,
1: that's true. Well, they'll just be saying their, your first name.
0: Ricky! Ricky! Fair.
1: Ricky, I love you!
0: <laughs> or oh see now you point out that like I just had a thought of something that like takes one to your point of having the weird like hard to pronounce name of Bieber freaking people screamed Bieber all the time
1: that is true and it is an odd looking name Bieber it looks like Viber well does it you know, I don't know how I would say that name it's got the IE thing in there
0: that messes it. with people
1: yeah I don't I, I don't know how I would have said that name had I not heard it before I'd seen it um Yeah, I think, I think it could work. I do like Ricky Jones, though. I'm not going to lie. I do dig that. Um, could do something like... Ah, I think I'd keep my name.
0: I feel like Ricky Jones is like the lounge singer and Ricky Jax is the more pop uh, music.
1: Yeah, Ricky Jax is definitely pop music. Um, yeah, for sure. Ricky Jones is totally like... He's he's in the he's in the nightclubs crooning, crooning to all the lonely hearts, pining for someone to understand them. And
0: meanwhile, Jax is passed out in the back with the math.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no. No, Jax is frickin'
0: Ricky Jax has you know, the very, very carefully PR media controlled clean image, and is yes. one like bad party away from being canceled.
1: <laughs> yes, Ricky Jacks is South Korean. Um, and there's 14 of them. Uh, um, Ricky Jacks
0: yeah. says he's South Korean. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't yeah, know, I don't know why, exactly. but I really like Ricky Jones is good and Ricky Jacks I have no reason for this, but he's bad.
1: Ricky Jacks is the is the alter They're yeah, the same ethnicity.
0: The... They're both they're white <laughs> dudes. They're both white dudes. <laughs>
1: one looks incredibly korean and the other for some reason does not no
0: no i think it's better if they're they're visually identical except for like hairstyle oh that's really funny which is why it's so much worse that ricky jacks claims to be south korean (laughs) he's not like
1: we know we know you're not like we know there's a guy who looks exactly like you and he's not we've done blood tests I Ricky, think I think the that's boy. the
0: thing is it it he uh, Ricky Jacks ends up as part of like a K-pop cover band in America that's oh. trying to break into K-pop, so like they've got a couple of uh, it's really poorly run and they got a couple of Asian like singers on the team, but they needed to round out their crew and Ricky Jacks got recruited because he'll fucking say anything.
1: <laughs> oh man, you're really doing Ricky Jacks dirty, dude. What did he do? What did he do to you? I don't know. Oh, there's something in there.
0: But again, these are. I think it's worth keeping in mind that these are both like if I had to have a stage name as a boy band singer, so they're just <laughs> me. I think it's worse.
1: No, no, that's not worse. how How is that? I think been? it. I think this is me, the two extremes of me,
0: the good and the evil. Like pushed to the extreme on um, if i'm gonna be a if i was a stage musician here are the two extremes
1: so it's either nightclub singer or meth addicts uh k-pop cover band star yes oh that's quite the yin and yang my friend that's quite the dichotomy <laughs>
0: <laughs> and again the k-pop cover star is has a squeaky clean pr media team image due to a lot of behind scenes work by the quote-unquote little people and he is one party away from getting cancelled on the internet
1: <laughs> what would Ricky Jacks get cancelled for
0: oh god uh, they find out he's not Korean <laughs> um, <laughs> he gets too drunk and starts tweeting at people <laughs> not realizing he's not DMing
1: oh dang Ricky Jacks you
0: uh, he, Ricky Jack. they find out he got drunk
1: <laughs> oh
0: and the, the band cuts ties claiming that they had no knowledge or idea, but they all knew. He actually oh, had the lowest man. salary because they kept pulling out of his to cover like the damages to the hotel rooms.
1: And they did nothing.
0: Well, he was their he was part of the band, they had to like keep things going and get that cash, you know? Oh. It was the vulgar. it was tolerable up until it was a problem.
1: Dude. I don't know, man. Yeah. Not not laying all the blame for Ricky Jacks at the feet of society here, but sounds like sounds like more could have been done to save my my man.
0: I think it sounds like his manager probably could have made some better choices on what behavior he allowed.
1: Yeah, someone's got to get in contact with Ricky Jacks's man. This sounds like a real potentially Elvis. James, I've got some bad news. What? Here's manager <laughs> I'm his manager? <laughs> I think James oh. is his manager. I think... Alright,
0: okay. I think, I think James manager. was a 80s boy band. And then the thousands turned to management after, like, he was like, You know what? I'm done with the road life like that. I just I don't want to have to be on stage anymore. And he picked up Ricky Jacks in putting together this Korean cover pop, K-pop cover band. And, like, he managed the entire band and was doing okay, and Ricky was mostly under control, so it was like, alright, I'll put up with this, and then one day, Ricky just goes a little too far, he's like, alright, well, I'm done with that. Oh.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, you know, he tried to get him to stop.
0: And no. James does have a successful career, like, 80s to 90s. Like, it's not like he fa- washed out or anything. He chose to, like, quit while he was he ahead.
1: Get a graceful exit yeah. from this. I can respect this storyline. That's a very um, potentially uh, <clears throat> tr- uh, Shakespearean tragedy, right? It's like a manager who actually, like, who saw the best of his generation, of his contemporaries, crushed, mangled by the machine. Vowed that he would never let the same thing uh, happen to anyone under his stewardship um, again, if he and could.
0: He had four fifths of could, success.
1: And and. All but succeeded, save for one who he could not save. I can see that. I can see that film. Um, there's a scene where him and Ricky are like, he, he finds Ricky in a bar, you know, and he's trying to, he's trying to get him to snap out of it. Yeah. Like, Ricky, stop, you got to stop smoking meth, Ricky. <laughs> you got gotta... <laughs> it. You know, <laughs> That's who I am. It's not the not, not it's, phase
0: it's, manager.
1: I promise you, if you don't stop, it will be a phase. <laughs> I promise. Meth for life. You gotta, you gotta wake up, Ricky. You gotta wake up. I, I am awake. No, I the rest of you are asleep, sheeple. Oh um, Dang. He's got he's got the, the famous the famous meth paranoia.
0: Ricky mm, just me. keeps getting worse. We gotta move on.
1: Sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll, he'll, he'll get better. I have a Will feeling we? he's happy. Yeah, I think so. I think so.
0: Our next segment, Better Buddies Recommend, where we recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Oh man, have I got a recommendation that I've been holding onto for a hot minute that I don't think I've used yet. I need to double check now to make sure I didn't use it last week. I'm pretty sure I didn't. But on Netflix, mm-hmm. there is a new show,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that show I didn't use it yet. Okay, uh, yeah, didn't use it yet. Uh, Sandman, the Netflix show. Good gravy, it's good.
1: Let's see here. Okay, Sandman. So, what is what is this about? Sandman is a DC
0: comic series created by Neil Gaiman. Uh, it's one of his more popular well works, but is not not like as well known as like Coraline or um, some of his other writings. But it is one of the things that like made he made his mark with. And the beginning of the story. Is, follows the Endless, particularly Dream of the Endless. Now, the Endless are like six or so eternal beings. They are you know, metaphysical, anthropomorphic representations of concepts. So you've got Dream, Death, Desire, Despair, um, dr- uh, and like two others. I'm not yeah. super well versed in the whole series. I only read the first uh, collected volume, but I read it before the se- I like picked it up and read it on a whim like months and months ago before the series was announced. So yeah. and I enjoyed it off of that. But then the series, the, the beginning of the story follows a group of occultists who try to capture death and instead accidentally capture her younger brother, Dream. And huh. the story follows Dream of the Endless, Lord of the Dreaming Realm, as he try like, his experience being captured and everything afterwards. And, like, the consequences that follow from that.
1: Okay. So, is it, like, um... Does he break, like, I guess, like, uh... Spoilers, depending, but does he break like free and then he's left to wander the world? Does he befriend like an occultist? Does he sort um, of like like help by them the in entirety? Like, what it what it what are the actual like adventures that he's sort of like engaged like going on basically? So
0: the first uh, the first like half of the se- of season one is he gets captured. He spends a hundred years captured, like just sitting in a glass ball in this basement, and okay. Refusing to interact with anybody. And then he manages to escape. And in the process of being captured, he lost his sand, his ruby, and his helm. And his helm looks like a weird gas mask. Okay. And, of course, those being powerful objects and humans being humans, they wound up scattered about the globe. So it's him going around trying to reacquire his tools that contain parts of his power. And so that he can set dreaming to rights, because in his hundred years away, dreaming has fallen to ruin. A lot of the dreams and nightmares have escaped or abandoned their posts. And when he was ca- the day he was captured, a sickness began called the sleeping sickness, where about um, was it a hundred thousand or a million? No, it was like a hundred thousand people across the planet fell asleep and did not wake up
1: as in they died or they just no they just
0: slept Hmm. um so and then once he gets his tools back he's got to fix dreaming um and the second half of the season focuses on a story about a rogue nightmare and a dream vortex dream vortex being someone who is so strongly connected to the dreaming that they can like enter it and impact it and alter it and tear down the walls between dream and reality
1: What the so obviously other than the kind of more like your like natural um predisposition to like fancy or sci fi type stuff or uh superheroes as well, what do you think like draws you to the show? Like why what makes you recommend it?
0: One of the biggest things that makes me recommend it is the fact that Neil Gaiman refused to do any adaptation he did not have sufficient control over. And because of that, in doing this adaptation for Netflix I, I would be hard-pressed to name a more comics-accurate media adaptation. Like, wow, so, a lot really? of other things will do, panels or we'll do, like, shots or scenes that are directly panels out of the comics. This is darn near, like, page for page. Another thing worth noting, because there's been some news around it, is some of the um, gender and racial changes from the book... To the screen. Uh, the two most significant being, in the book, Death is a white goth girl. And in... Or with, like, goth aesthetic. And in the series, it's an African-American woman, or black woman, um, mm-hmm. with same clothing and same outlook, same language, all that stuff. And then Jenna Coleman plays Joanna Constantine instead of it being John Constantine. Um, and But, like, the... This also really crystallized for me, though my pro- my problems maybe a strong word, but my hesitation when it comes to racial or gender changes to characters of are you doing it for the good of characterization or are you doing it just to do it? They did it with the I want to both for practical reasons with the John Constantine to join a Const- Constantine thing. It was, they had one scene in the past featuring Lady Joanna Constantine in, like, the 1800s. And Gaiman was like, well, Jenna Coleman's a really great actress. Why don't we just reuse her? Why why, why are we keeping her in this one scene when we can use her throughout? Like, just do this swap and replace it, and it functionally all stays the same. So they did, and it worked great. Because she brought a very different... It was one of those, like... She made it her own, and it wasn't, like, detrimental in any way. And it was very much like, yeah, this this fits and makes sense. No, It doesn't feel out of place. With Death, it was purely a, we're hiring the best actress for the part, and it works. Like, there are... I don't generally get very, like, emotional when I'm watching stuff, and particularly the episode that focuses on death and dream having a conversation the entire episode is just them walking about having a conversation as death does her job and it is very very impactful and a lot of it comes from the way the actress is doing is acting and delivering the lines
1: is this a serialized uh show or is it more episodic or sort of both
0: um can you define, because I switch these up all the time.
1: So, serialized means that there's, like, uh, one long uniform story that each episode is
0: a part of. Okay. It's serialized okay. all the way. But it's it's following the... So, for the same main comics, it was kind of, like, arcs. So, like, oh, this is this arc, and now this arc. So, it's kind of, like, serialized and bouncing, and it looks like they've done, like, two arcs per season. Um, but yeah, it's very moving and this is not, it has a lot of creepiness in it, but this is not intended to be a horror show.
1: Um, yeah, usually when I think of Neil Gaiman, I think of, uh, yeah, not quite horror, but still like, he's like a, <clears throat> like a more, I don't know how to say like artistic, he it likes to play with Stephen the balance King.
0: between joy and sadness, and humor and darkness, and yeah, using the me contrast me to... to say something.
1: Like uh, he reminds me of like an in between of like Stephen King and Tim Burton for some reason. Um, yeah, I think maybe just because of Coraline, but
0: uh, the only, the one episode to be aware of if you're not like a big gore horror person. Um, There is a character who is obsessed with the truth, and he steals- he's, like, stolen some of Dream's power and forces a diner of people to be their, quote-unquote, like, true selves. Which goes from them not, like, saying little white lies all the way, as as the episode goes on, devolving into, like, mutilation. Um, Oh, shit. And it- it's horrific, because it's supposed to be, and- ...makes the point of... uh, But the point of the episode is not... ...Humanity is horrible. The point of the episode is... ...Dreams are... ...technically lies. Right? You... ...your dream isn't really true until it happens. Which means it's, it's a lie. It's false. It's not real. It's fake. But if you remove the fake down to just truth, it's we don't have what what's the point? What's the purpose? Dreams are a driving force. whether you put a lot of stock in them or not, dreams are what drives humanity forward towards a better something. And we may never achieve it. We may never get there, but it's
1: it's hope. I like that <clears throat> I like that idea um especially because like usually especially nowadays you know there's a lot of I do it a lot um there's a lot of talk of like kind of like uh how do I say this like um academic academicalized talk about dreams especially because of like psychology and all that yeah and it's sort of like I think those things can be accurate, but I also think they kind of remove sort of the essence of what you're talking about, which is like these more simple components of them that are still nonetheless true and not just like question of whether or not there's truth in them. But the fact that there is something also somewhat fake in them as well Um, is interesting to think about Um, and, and like navigating that. Once or accepting one or the other um, at certain times. I think it's cool.
0: Yeah. And like I said, so much of the series is focused Mm -hmm. on humanity because Dream is not human. And he's trying to understand and comprehend and connect with what does it mean to be human? What is humanity? But not in a like vision from the Avengers, like, I want to be human, so I'm going to play house. As a robot man, but more of Mm -hmm. the walking with them and examining them as an outsider and trying to balance the fact that these are literally mere moments on a galactic scale of time. But also your job is to give them the dreams and the nightmares to teach them lessons and your job is service to them. So, how can you serve and be disconnected from them?
1: I really like that. I think that's really beautiful, actually.
0: So, yeah, Neil Gaiman's the Sandman.
1: Before, also, uh, Pat Oswald plays a crow. Wait, Pat Oswald's on this?
0: Yeah, he plays a crow companion named Michael. <sighs> and uh, Mark Hamill plays a skel- uh, pumpkin scarecrow. Well, that's
1: great. Um, do you have a favorite character?
0: Um, I'd, I mean, I'd just say the main character, Dream, because he was very well cast, and it very, he is the, almost the, he's almost the audience surrogate, in a weird way, I'd say, of, we understand what it is to be human, but we don't understand what it is to be a dreaming. Creature, So for him to be locked up and then have to rediscover and reestablish dreaming and the endless and his place in it, he, he's kind of the guide on the journey um, helped by the fact that Patton Oswalt's character was a human who, when he died, went to dreaming and became a crow. So mm-hmm. he doesn't know some stuff, too. So it's it's kind of like they're both kind of they switch back and forth on the role. It's um, cool. And uh, if you if you enjoy the like wizard duels where they turn into things, like in the Sword in the Stone Disney movie, uh, this has a very very good version of that between Lucifer and Dream.
1: Oh, Lucifer's in here.
0: Yeah. Played Nothing. by the Brienne of Tarth from <clears throat> Game of Thrones.
1: Oh, Gwendolyn Christie. Yes. Interesting choice.
0: She does very well.
1: She's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, that's my recommendation.
1: Yeah, it's called... uh, Is it The Sandman or just Sandman?
0: The Sandman.
1: Sandman. Yeah. Dig. What do you got? I... Don't have something as grandiose I don't think but I have um, so a couple about a month ago I was in town and I was visiting home and I went with my stepbrother to this antique shop on our Main Street and I like to go in the there's a back part of the first floor please kind of used books and there's a bunch of like paperback westerns from like the fifties, sixties, and seventies. I picked up a bunch of them and I read the first one. I started reading the first one and I had just finished it today. Um, or finished it yesterday, like a couple days ago. I can't remember exactly. But uh I liked it. I would suggest. I don't. I don't know if I would say that everyone needs to read something like this, but I found it really interesting because it's something that held such a huge like prominence in the culture for quite a while and then sort of like faded away. But um, the the one I read was called uh, "A Trap for Buchanan," and it's basically like it. Like I'll try and. Keep it pretty simple. It's basically about this guy. Um, the, the these stories are written usually very simply because they had to be written somewhat quickly and for like a broad audience. So, and there's also some stuff where they really show their age in terms of like language they use and how they talk about certain people. But I found it because these are like 50s, pretty... 60s. Yes, this one was written, I think, in the early 70s. Um, I think sometimes to, like, quote-unquote, like, like, get more into the time, they kind of adopt certain language. Nothing too, at least in the, the one I read, nothing too bad. But, um, this the one I read called Trap, uh, Trap for Buchanan is basically about this guy who um comes into this town, um, and he's, like, sort of a, he's a big, tall, rugged, but quiet and peaceable... Western cowboy type kind of a kind of your your eternal I take you know your eternal drifter um, way yes like fulfilling it almost exactly to a T and he comes in because his friend who's this old prospector guy is basically like I found a bunch of gold in them hills and I want to bring you in on it and it's nice of him it is uh, and he comes to town and he quickly finds um, that the town is crawling with brigands and... Oh, man, you got a brigand infestation. You got a big brigand infestation. And he, um... Br- brigands and desperados and never-do-wells and, um... Mexicans. <laughs> oh,
0: man. Damn it, James!
1: <laughs> oh, just kidding, just kidding. Um, but... No, he, he um he 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 quickly kind of finds um uh, the daughter of this prospector they meet actually outside of the town uh because her and her friend catch him in this trap and they they think he's like another one who's come to sort of like lay siege to the town and um so he gets introduced to her and uh kind of forms this like bond with her where he's sort of like Bringing her under his wing, and same thing with this uh, other kid who's like her age. They're supposed to be supposed to be like seventeen or eighteen, and he's like kind of taking care of these kids. Um, and he ba- it basically follows him, sort of like trying to get this gold back uh, before some of the uh, Bri- like the desperados or the brigands in the town, like make their way up to the claim. Where this prospector, who is the girl's grandfather, where he has like staked out his claim, and supposedly found a lot of gold, mm. and it kind of follows their struggle to get to the claim, um, what they find when they get there, and then sort of their their uh, desperate attempt to sort of um defend themselves from this sort of uh, this sort of attack by the the never do wells who have come from the town and now are 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 kind of cornered them um and then they ride off yeah. into the sunset something like that um it's actually it's i found it really good because it was really quickly written um not really descriptive um pretty formulaic but i found it charming through all that and more than anything i really liked how Really, like, certain components of the story, like, they really stuck with me. Like, he he's riding with this one guy uh, to start off. It's such a great little dynamic. I was kind of hoping it was going to stick with it. It didn't um, uh, until the very end. He's he's riding with this one dude. It opens on him, and this, uh, this other guy, who's, like, kind of his, like, Sancho Panza, like, his mm-hmm. sidekick, is basically this, like, bare-knuckle brawler, this, like, boxer that he, like, um kind of befriended down in like new orleans or something because they got into a fight and this guy named this buchanan the main dude beat this boxer and now uh the boxer oh, in the so process of fighting that? him, no it's actually the opposite in the process of fighting buchanan injured himself but he still won the brawler wants to fight him again for like all the marbles, not to the death, but just to victory. He wants to fight him again, but he won't do it until Buchanan is fully healed. <laughs> uh, and he's like chomping at the bit to do so. In the so beginning, he's just like
0: around, got, like oh Buchanan, that shoulder ready? I'm gonna get you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. And and Buchanan's like, dude, like I like, <laughs> like I'm not, I can't do this right now. Like I got, I got, I got stuff to do. Um. And it, it, that that kind of has a payoff eventually, but I really love stuff like that. It's uh, I really thought it did a good job of like it reminds me of how like Star Wars, um, you know, when you watch that first movie, and granted, there's the opening title crawl, but you feel immediately put into the story that's like already been going, um, and it's this momentum that's like really hard to dispel. And granted, I don't think if I was like. If I was less interested in sort of like story mechanics as a whole um, and just kind of like studying this type of stuff, I don't think I would have been as interested or kept with this book because it wasn't super engrossing, but I still found it fun to read. And I would definitely suggest like if you ever wander into a used bookstore, like trying to find one of these and literally I would literally just say go from the cover um, oh, yeah. Pick one you like based on the cover, because they all have great... They Like, I love their covers. So pick one from the cover, read the back, maybe read the first page, and then, like, if you're like, all right, I'll try this one. Like, they're usually no more than, like, a couple dollars. Like, they're not that expensive to pick up. So... Um, I literally I really have like a that.
0: friend who one of the ways we communicate is we find... If we see weird book covers, we send them to each other.
1: Oh, that's so fun.
0: Uh, I actually got a book... For my birthday once because of it called, well it was like Doctor Dimension, some subtitle, but it was the trashiest sci-fi novel you've ever read.
1: Was it like old too? It uh, sounds like, like it would... night,
0: late early nineties, I think. But it was okay. like. So much innuendo and, like, subtle raunchiness and, like, very, very thinly veiled pun stuff. And it's like, oh, God. It was so fun.
1: No, I love... I just, I love that kind of stuff because I think... I think it kind of reminds me of my stepbrother collects, like, Globe magazine and, like, National Enquirer and stuff. And, like, I find something oddly... Authentic or genuine, like in those kinds of like quote unquote like trashy locations, and I wouldn't necessarily call these westerns trashy, but they're definitely pulpy and they're like corny. They're pop pop publishing. Are are that's one of those things. Yeah,
0: I wanted to get your take on this. I don't feel like we necessarily have that as much with books. I feel like literature has kind of gone the same way as cinema of it's either a breakout hit or we won't publish it.
1: I agree. I think, like, I totally agree.
0: with, like, the Westerns and when, after Star Wars took off and the Westerns kind of faded out, it was sci-fi. And in between those, I think, was the gangster. Like, you would have every publisher under the sun publishing a slew of... Here's our western series, or here's our five western series, and here's our sci-fi series. There's the people publishing Star Trek and Star Wars, but then there's Doctor Dimension, Lord of Space and Time, and the we the generic like all the generic sci-fi crap of oh I got abducted by an alien and now I'm here, or I found an alien spaceship and now I'm running around town, or uh, fan the fantasy had its own slew of like, ah, we're doing this thing, and some of the more popular ones, I mean, there's Lord of the Rings obviously in the, uh, but Xanth Xanth was a series that was set in the magical world of Xanth, but if you look at the map of Xanth it's just fucking Florida it's literally just <laughs> the fl- outline of Florida
1: that's awesome that's um, really funny
0: but again, the, like, but the Xanth one too, it was the book I had was Ogre Ogre and it's about an ogre who go? who's dumb, because all ogres are dumb. He's only a half-ogre, but he's an ogre. And they're dumb. And he somehow winds up with seven maidens that he has to safely, like, escort to their homes and away from the bad guys. And along the way, he falls into an IQ vine. And it accidentally makes him smart. So now he's a smart ogre. And... By the end of the book, the moral is like, oh, he he can choose to be a man, because he's part o- part man, part ogre. He chooses to be a man, and be just smart, because he believes he's smart, so he is smart. And, uh, but he can be strong, too, and he can just be smart and strong and be a good man. And it's like, okay. <laughs> you do that. Sweet.
1: Sweet. Um. Oh, I... <laughs> I think, okay, so to be fair, too, you talk about series, like, really got me thinking. So, so to to be fair, um, so the, the series I read, like... um, Can I interject the, real
0: quick? Because I thought of the most recent modern version of what I was thinking of. It's that, the young adult post-apocalypse, or the, like, young adult apocalypse stuff.
1: Oh, that is kind that of... That was the one, most recent,
0: there? like, everybody's gotta fucking have one.
1: I I just think too though like so like this thing the 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 one I read Trapper Buchanan there's um there's a bunch of books and it's all about Buchanan it's all like they're all from like 1960 to 1979 it looks like 1984 oh wow I don't know wow. there's a bunch um there's there's a bunch and um it's all about like this character, you know, this Buchanan who's like running around doing all this stuff. And so I think that's almost, I don't know. I, I could be mistaken. Cause I, maybe I'm not, I, I don't think I, I'm not super in tune with like the pop being sensibility, but that's what we, I feel like that's kind of what we need right now is we need more like, um, it's not really a series. You know what I mean? It, it, it it does center around a character, but it's not this, like, it's contiguous... Episodic. Yeah, exactly. Like, I could drop into one of those. Like, no wonder I felt like there was a story going on already, because there was. I wouldn't be surprised if there were story threads, like, if that one brawler was a holdover character from, like, one of the books before, or something like that. See, and but. That's...
0: That's actually one of my favorite genre, like, I don't know if it's really a genre, but one of my favorite things of books that I like I love to read, but don't get enough of, is that kind of thing, where you grab mm-hmm. a book and you don't know what number in the series it is, but the first chapter sets you up to understand everything else that's about to happen. Um, a book I've recommended yeah. before on this show, uh, I don't remember what the title is, oh, it's uh, Fire Touched. Fire Touched. It's a book about a werewolf clan in a modern day setting. And I read the entire fucking book before I realized, oh, this is book three. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, the Dresden Files, too, are another series where, like, you can just grab one of those things and they'll set you up in the first chapter to successfully read the rest of it.
1: No, and I guess, like, urban fantasy is another example of this stuff where it's, like, that's sort of, um, it's sort of one of the continuations of it, of, like... Uh, you know the Western tradition or sci-fi or yeah, I just thought of I a just heard an re- example. What a Dan which one? Shamble
0: or Dan chambo is about a it's again the modern fantasy. Uh, after an of some like event, all supernatural stuff became real, and but like not inherently evil. So like spell books start just getting sold by book publishing companies and to witches. Are suing a book publishing company because they had a typo, uh, and this zombie detective, he died and was he came back as a zombie, and he hasn't he's solving cases as a private detective while trying to find his own murderer, his secretary slash lover is a ghost. It's
1: really funny.
0: Uh, really- Jewish golems uh, like apply for workers' rights. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. I don't know. I just like. I feel like we need like a. Uh... Yeah, those are those are those are actually good. Those are good examples. Um, I wonder what do you think like the next form will be? You know, of that. Um, like, do you think it'll just keep being fantasy and sci-fi? I feel like eventually something's got a. Well, something else. Romance. Is
0: romance is one of those ones that's always under the surface. Like, it never really... Like, once romance started, it never went away for being just a wh- tidal wave of trashy novels that are super fucking cheap. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we'll ever roll back around to the Western. Like, I think the Western oh, had its heyday. I think so, too. Um. And I think part of the pro... I think part of it is... I think part of the success of fantasy and sci-fi for just kind of rotating through is that they don't have a specific time period. Like, westerns were westerns, and the further we get away from that time period, the, let's be honest, the less romantic it is. Like, I like westerns well enough, but it's never been my favorite genre. Um, same thing with like, gangster movies, like, I like gangster stories well enough. But it's not like we're doing Roaring Twenties gangsters. The most popular gangster story of the old, like two thousands was The Sopranos. It's very true.
1: It's very true.
0: In the meantime, Lord of the Rings is back again. Uh Wheel of Time started up. Game of Thrones did its thing. Sci-fi, you have Star Trek reboots and Star Wars sequels and um What other Sci-Fi stuff has been they tried to do another sci-fi not like launch off with Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. That didn't work. Oh, I had fun with it.
1: Yeah, which is unfortunate because I really liked that film, actually. Like I found quite a bit of enjoyment in it.
0: Um But yeah, I think those are the I think that's why it just kind of cycles through with those two, is because like, they're timeless functionally. Until you get to the future and it's like <laughs> we thought we'd have flying cars by this point.
1: Do you think, do you think it would be, um, yeah, I think, I actually, I never thought about it like that, and I totally agree that that's one of the reasons that they're kind of these perpetual ones, because they are not tethered by any, not even just time, like any kind of, like, reality, you know what I mean? Like, they're not bound by, like, a Western has to have certain panics in it to make it a Western and to make it fit within the genre, and the same thing is true with, with like, gangster movie or gangster stuff, and more so than that, not only do they have to fit within their own within their own genre, they because they are, um, it, they take place in like the quote unquote real world. They have to sort of like conform to. There's sort of there's a ceiling, you know. Yeah, degree. Um,
0: well, I think the same thing with just... like war stories. For a while, war stories were the big one, post World War II, and or like during World War II. And that went out the window pretty quick. I don't think we'll be going back to war stories, really. Except for, like, stories where people live through the war. Spy stuff does okay, but that... At this point, you either have to be realistic spy, which can work, uh, but sometimes just kind of gets... Like James Bond, where they took all the sci-fi out of the spy stuff, and it's kind of like, okay, well... Half the fun was the gadgets, and you took out the gadgets, so.
1: Yeah, and every James Bond is one of those where it's like, I wouldn't say it ruined the spy genre, but it's like it's really hard to get out from under that shadow.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'd say too. Like, what what do you think? What do you think? If okay, here's a good question. And maybe not even what do you think. What would you like? To, what would you like to see as the next like? western or gangster style genre where it is like it takes it's got like a purchase in reality but it's still got that sort of like ability to be exciting and fun
0: um i you know what i could go for and i think this is just because i watched the mummy recently but i could go for something kind of like egyptian african like north african that kind of area Really? Yeah. Again, I just watched the Mummy franchise like in the last few weeks, so and that was World War One mum like area, but something like adventure kind of like that, which they did also because they had like that. That was part of the era of the Pulp Fiction was the like Doc Samson. So Doc Sam. What about you?
1: See like. Uh... Oh, we'll Doc, see,
0: like, Sam- Doc Samson was yeah. a stereotypical adventurer. Like w- when they talk about the adventurer guy who dresses similarly to Indiana Jones with the like shirt and the, ca- the cargo pants and the boots and the machete and he's cutting through the jungles and is super strong and like throwing trees out of the way. But he's also very intelligent and knows 50 languages and has a theory about why the Incans built this temple way out in the middle of the jungle with a weird ruby on top. But also he's very sweet and sensitive And, like, (laughs) the ladies love him. But he only has heart for one lady. And he's got a whole crew of, like, adventuring companions who he regularly has to rescue.
1: I love that. Yeah. I love that. What about you? I would say... I'm gonna go with my classic sort of, like... I could do a... I'm thinking, like, a Steven Spielberg-esque... Steven Spielberg, Stephen King, with a little bit of, like, Studio Ghibli thrown in there of, like, kids running around town getting into adventures, like, finding, like, buried treasure and finding, like... Like
0: Like the Goonies? uh,
1: Like the Goonies or, like um, yeah, like, stuff that isn't, that doesn't veer too much into the, like, th- that doesn't make it, like, sci-fi or fantasy, but keeps it, like, you know what you need to or, read? What do I need to read? You
0: need to read The Boxcar Children.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> I'm thinking,
1: <laughs> I know, I was thinking about that as I was, like, thinking of the answer, I was like, oh, shit, this is kind of like that. This is basically not just cool The
0: Boxcar that. Children and the, uh, whatever those two teenage boy twin sleuths were, and the
1: hardy boys the hardy
0: boys and what's her name
1: oh um um nancy drew
0: yeah nancy drew
1: yeah i could go for some of that like but i want it to be a little more like um pulpy and sort of like so you I want know, doc samson more, but as a kid yeah honestly yeah i do i, I and i want you the young like, Indiana that
0: jones kid. chronicles
1: yeah, and I want him, but I want him like running around his like like a set piece hometown where he's like in the antics and like solving stuff and like always on always on the look for the next adventure. You know, like that. That to me, there's something really endearing about that. Yeah, read my mind, my man. I don't even know, but you know. I knew. I
0: I know things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know RJ. Oh, I know. Oh, we got time for a couple of questions absolutely let's fucking dish them out
0: our next segment how to be a better buddy where we give some real and some humorous advice our first question what are the chances of you defeating an adult wolf with your bare hands
1: it, like 30 percent, maybe that's like 30? a high estimate
0: yeah it's one wolf
1: yeah, but that's like an adult, dude. I don't, like, well, how are you supposed to kill that thing? 75%. Like, you're supposed to choke it. At...
0: I give myself 75%. For, for it. it's I'm going to lose an arm. Because <sighs> that wolf is going to try and bite at you, right?
1: Yeah.
0: You give it your fucking hand, but you shove that arm way in there.
1: Oh. Oh, that's commitment. I mean. I said
0: I was going to lose an arm, but I'm going to win that fight 75% of the time. Maybe 60% oh. of the time.
1: That's grizzly. Should I say wolfy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, thank you. Um, <laughs> I I'm still gonna say 30 for me because like I I admire honestly I admire that vi- that Viking level that berserker level. Well, commitment if I don't to, beat the
0: wolf, it's gonna kill me. So you know.
1: I know. No, I would. I would definitely. I think I'd be able to. I think I would be able to kill it. Um, I just think like it's an adult wolf like that thing is strong it's, it's strong but thick. it's a dog
0: like it's the size know, of a do dog
1: you ever just try to fight a dog before
0: I've played wrestled with probably... dogs
1: <laughs> basically the same thing
0: so yeah uh, I... dear listener I'd say your odds are 50-50 at this point but if we average this out <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would agree. I, You know what? Punch Flip the, the coin. Nose. Why not? Yes. Go punch for the, the eyes. Go for the eyes. And, um... I'll do it if you have to. Just... The wise man said, just stick your arm down that thing. Commit, alright? And kill it.
0: You either gotta stick your arm down that thing so it's choking on your arm and you can punch it from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> or wrap your uh, hands around its muzzle and, uh... Start kicking. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. But you
0: don't have a lot of options.
1: Really don't. I don't know if you're gonna be able to stamp that thing's neck. I mean if you could if you were really strong, but If it gets
0: to a if it gets to one of your like major arteries, you're fucked.
1: Yeah. More likely than not, you might just have to beat it to death.
0: Our next question. Oh. How often do you want to be hugged? Does it feel clingy if a girl hugs too much?
1: I don't uh, think so
0: I, I like being hugged but I also I'm at this weird point where I've trained myself out of hugs like I think it's just come with the boundary stuff of like some people don't like hugs so I've stopped being inclined towards them and now I just don't do them
1: I I usually if at a certain point like when I know most when I when I'm initially knowing people I will do handshakes after a while if I will like kind of one of those things you have to read like in the moment um and then if it's like good then i think you can hug if not then it's like all right that's fine that's uh you know um yeah no i i I, i'm a hugger i i would i would say that's fine um you just got to be able to read read the read the moment read the room
0: and i don't think the hugging itself is what would make someone clingy
1: no, I no. It's a hug like on it's the difference between hugging
0: to too much versus like you're clearly trying to do something and I'm hanging off of you.
1: Yes, and the the motivation for the hug is important too. Like like there's a big difference between like I I mean this is obvious, but there's a big difference between somebody you believe to be clingy hugging you and somebody you believe to not be clingy hugging you. Like yeah. The last thing you want is for Hug to feel like oddly manipulative or like they're trying to get something from you because it's like perverting like one of the most innocent forms of sort of like interpersonal contact not um, to
0: mention you have someone up in your personal space
1: yes that especially but I it has been really rare for me personally where that has ever happened and it has not at all happened recently so
0: alright uh, I think we'll do one more. Okay. What's everyone's thoughts on elephants? With further details, I think they're pretty cool. I think mm. elephants are pretty cool, too.
1: I think they're cool. I think it's a cool... cool animal. They um, got some
0: big old floppy ears and a big old floppy trunk. And they suck that water right up that nose and spray it all over the place. And, uh... That's not where they're. As far as I'm aware, they their noses are pretty clean.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, fun design for an animal. You know, whoever who, whoever made them, whether you know nature or whatever, is was really having a good time. I think it's like uh, yeah, I like their ears as well. Like the fact that they remember stuff. I think that's interesting. Um, love to see if there are like like I'm sure someone has like charted like. Elephant super highways, you know, hey, where they hey, James,
0: like, hmm. Why do ducks have webbed feet? Uh
1: I don't know why.
0: To stamp out forest fires. Why do elephants have flat feet? Why? To stamp out burning ducks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's actually I really like that actually.
0: <laughs> where uh where does an elephant keep his suitcase? his trunk yeah what does he do when he gets to the uh he gets to the airport
1: sneezes
0: he takes it out of the trunk ah
1: <laughs> uh, ah man you're full of them today RJ you're like a Robin Williams you're how rattling do you, uh, them how do you off. put an
0: elephant in the fridge
1: um I don't know how
0: you open the door put the elephant in close the door how do you put a lion in the fridge uh I
1: don't know how
0: you open the door take the elephant out put the lion in close the fridge what's that honking down the down outside
1: i don't know what it's
0: the taxi waiting to take the elephant to the airport
1: (laughs) wow it's a whole cinematic (laughs) universe (laughs) they're all connected
0: Do you not a genuine question though like i i need to know how many elephant jokes have you heard
1: (laughs) i okay so those i recognize but it has been a long time since i've uh since i've heard those
0: I uh there was one time like 3 maybe 4 years ago now where Tanner just went off with a whole list of elephant jokes and we were dying
1: Oh my god
0: I'd forgotten how good they were
1: I love corny jokes. I think they're some of the purest things in the world. Like I don't know
0: because they're eternally funny.
1: They are. They are, and that's the thing that's the thing too, is like there's something so simple funny about them. Like purely funny. Um that's great. I really like that ducks one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like that ducks one. Alright. I
0: uh, I think on that note, it's time to call it.
1: Time to call it. That's all I got. Thank you for joining. Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Always a pleasure. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on Facebook Better Buddies. We have our meme Mondays and someday I will get better at posting the icebreakers but today is not that day. <laughs> We're also on Twitter at Better Budcast, Use the hashtag Better Buddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account, betterbuddiescast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer or questions you need advice on. And last but not least, be a better buddy.
1: This is also... That is also fair. I guess I would. Yeah. I mean, to, walking around the farmland out there can be fun. Yeah. I mean, playing with horses, for example, making you know, you can just yeah. Like, ma'am, do you know? Do you know? Ever you ever seen someone garroted with, entail uh, floss? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not saying I have. I'm not saying I have not I'm just saying, though. Know, imagine. Have
0: you ever seen a Dixie cup full of your own blood? (laughs) You should start the show. (laughs) Before I get fired.
1: Perfect. I'm ready. I think that's it. I think we're locked in.